Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. We're going to jump into the Word today. Good to see so many faces. I know a lot of people are freshly back from your awesome vacations this summer, and you're gearing up for school now with the kids. I was at Costco the other week, and I literally, I, I just about had a brain aneurysm seeing that they put out Christmas stuff already. And I, I'm like, my goodness. Like, it was literally, it wasn't even August 1st. And I'm like, what are you doing, you know? And so, anyways, uh, that has nothing to do with my message at all today. Let's pray. That seems like a good thing to do right now, eh? (laughs) Lord, we thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is life to us. Your word is a lamp and a light. It shines in the darkest areas of our lives and our souls to bring about revelation and transformation. And so, Lord, in this moment, in this service, we just lean into you and we just come asking, Holy Spirit, what do you wanna say to me? What do you wanna say to me today? You have something for me. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd speak, give downloads from heaven. I pray in Jesus' name that you'd give us eyes to see, ears to hear, minds that understands, and hearts that believe you and take you at your word. I pray for faith to rise in this atmosphere. And Holy Spirit, we don't just make room for you, we give you the room. So whatever you wanna do, wherever you wanna go, whatever you wanna interrupt in the flow, <laughs> I just say yes, Lord. We, we say yes to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're in the middle of a series that we had for the summer called Jesus People. And uh, we've been taking a look at the life and the ministry of Jesus. Jesus uh, lived, for those of you who aren't too familiar with his life and his story, he lived till he was about 33 and a half years old. He died a horrible death, and he took on himself a, pe- a penalty uh, for sin that he didn't deserve to give us a life that we don't deserve. And so of that 33 and a half years, it's about 12,000 days, we have about 1,100 of those days recorded in what we call the Gospels. It's the four books that start, kick off the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those uh, Gospels share the life, the teachings, the miracles, the story of Jesus. And it's just, just the sliver. It's like just the tip of the iceberg. There's one scripture that says, if we were to write down everything that this guy did, we would never be able to, there's not enough books in the world to fill with all that he has done. And everywhere Jesus went, there were changes. There was miracles, like literally entire cities, towns emptied out. Today, it would be like if he walked into town and he's at the Lido, everybody comes out of the shops at the Lido and they wanna rush over to see him. If he's walking in the fair, everybody's saying, forget the rides, we wanna come over to see this Jesus guy. Like they emptied out, apartment complexes emptied out, coming just to sit within proximity where they could hear, sometimes crowds up to 20,000 people without a microphone. Jesus would preach, right? And, and he just did incredible miracles and it was something so fresh and unique that something nobody had ever seen and experienced before. And Jesus wasn't just a good man, he was the God man. And he came to give us life and life everlasting. So we've been diving in and taking a look at his life and the significant in these moments. And we kicked it off, for those of you that were here, we kicked it off in week one 
I mean, we talked about the compassion of Christ, and that was the motivating factor for everything Jesus did. He would see them, he would see, and he would be moved with compassion, and he felt the need to go and touch this person, to heal this person, to embrace this person, to speak to this person, to go have dinner with that guy at his house, right? He was moved with compassion. Week two, uh, we looked at the woman at the well, and Jesus seemed to gravitate uh, towards those who were hurting, the dejected and the rejected. The people felt like less than. He called them up and he said, no. He goes, there's value in you. Week, week three, we looked at the calling of the early disciples, right, with that cool scene out of the Chosen series where Jesus calls Peter and the early disciples to come and follow him. And thank God he's still calling us to come and follow him. And then last week, we took, to, took a look at that miracle catch and we unpacked the spirit of mammon that's so prevalent and, uh, and we looked in and leaned into the thought that anyone that was consumed with the Great Commission always seemed to have supernatural provision. When, when, you, when you lead with the gospel, provision will follow. If you're looking to build your own kingdom, good luck. But if you're looking to hit, build his kingdom, you're not going to lack. Every one of your needs are going to be met. So today... We're going to take a look at the start of his ministry. We're going to kind of go backwards a little bit, and I want to take you through this moment. So we're going to take a look into Matthew chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to be reading today out of the New King James Version. Uh, there's basically three different uh, types of Bible translations. There's the, the formal equivalence, which would be like word for word. There's the dynamic equivalence translation of the Bible, which would be thought for thought. And then there's prayer for it, paraphrase. So um, the word for word, um, that type of the formal equivalence translation, that's what I'm going to be reading out of today in the New King James. Um, if you're looking like a thought for thought, uh, the dynamic equivalence is kind of a blend of the thought, but it's more, it's, it's more like we want people to understand what's happening. So they're not so consumed in the translation of, of like an NIV or an NLT if they translated table to coffee table or table to dining room table. They're more so looking in, in that where, where is this? What's the context that's happening here in this scene? And that's a thought for thought. And then the paraphrase Bible would be like your message, the message Bible, right? Eugene Peterson, not related. But um, that would be the message Bible. Um, the Passion Translation Bible, those would be like paraphrase. Almost a good, better way to think of them is Bible commentary. Those are great for some inspiration or some side notes, but that's not where you spend time studying to really get the meat out of the Word of God. You wouldn't study a paraphrase Bible. All right, Matthew chapter 4. Are you with me? Matthew chapter 4. All right, we're going to dive into it. Verse 1 says this, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Pause. Let me give you the backstory. So if, if this story is new to you, what happened at this moment? So Jesus is about to start his public ministry. Before he does, it was prophesied about uh, numerous things would happen. Well, uh, his, he had a cousin by the name of John, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist's uh, mom uh, was the auntie for Mary. Mary was Jesus' mom. And so it says actually when John the Baptist was in Elizabeth's womb, when Mary walks in the house and she's pregnant with Jesus, John starts kicking in the womb and he's like, he's here. You know, like there's something that came alive, you know. And so John has spent his life now and he's been in the wilderness and he's been telling people, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he sees Jesus coming. Long story short, he, Jesus walks up to him and Jesus says, all right, cuz, you need to baptize me. And John's like, no, 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 you, 
you're the Messiah, man. Like, you're going to baptize me. And Jesus said, no, this is to fulfill the scriptures. You need to baptize me. So John baptizes him. He comes up out of the waters of baptism. It's amazing. And God speaks these words over Jesus, says, this is my son. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And, and then after this moment, Jesus is led by the Spirit of God into the desert. I just want you to picture that in your mind. Remember this. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Okay, he's led by the Spirit. So God is leading Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 2, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. I love how like just simple the Bible is sometimes. It's like he was hungry. Like, you know, like he was hungry. I don't know if you've ever fasted, let alone 40 days, but at the end of a day of fasting, like, you can get hungry. Some of you get hangry, right? It's like he was hungry. Verse 3, now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are, this is the devil talking, this is Satan talking to Jesus, he said, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There's a pattern you're going to see here as Jesus quotes the scriptures out of Deuteronomy. That's Deuteronomy 8.3. Then verse 5, then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, if you are the son of God, then throw yourself down, for it's written, this is the devil quoting scripture to the word made flesh. He said, hey, Jesus, it's written, he shall give his angels charge over you and their hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. So here is Satan quoting scriptures. The father of all lies is trying to tell the word that became flesh what the word says. And so Jesus says to him in verse 7, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. That's Deuteronomy 6.16. And then verse 8, and again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and you worship me. At this point, Satan's kind of like, okay, so you are the son of God. Okay, I'm, I'm going to admit, but I got dominion here. Like, th this, this is my town. I, I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm, the, I'm the mob boss down here. I kind of run some stuff. But if you worship me, then I'll, I'll, I'll give you these things. And then Jesus said to him, verse 10, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. That's Deuteronomy 6, 13. And then the devil leaves him, right, in, in verse 11. And behold, the angels come and they minister to him. Sometimes we read this scripture and some people think that Jesus is only tempted like right at the end of his fast. Like I remember hearing somebody preach about it. When he was at his weakest point, then the devil came to him. So be careful at your weakest point, the devil's going to come to you. Luke actually records the same story and says that all throughout the fast, the devil was tempting him. And so Jesus, here he is, led by the Spirit of God, led by God into the wilderness and he's gonna be tempted by the devil. You know, Jesus came to earth, he emptied himself of his divinity, and he took on humanity, and in this moment that he's having here, this is about his humanity. He, he had to overcome temptation so that he could be sinless, so that he could pay the penalty of sin and be that pure spotless lamb. Hebrews 4.15 says that Jesus was tempted in every way. Hebrews 4.15, Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So, so here he is led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and you know, some people think that if I'm being led by God, I'm never going to have a wilderness season. <laughs> 
I don't know about you, but if you're, I, I've felt that before. I've had times where I'm like, this can't be you, God. I feel like I'm dying. And he's like, that's why I brought you to this place. You're going to die. Your flesh is going to die. There's something I want to do in you through this situation, this relationship, this circumstance, this job. I'm going to work some stuff out of you, and it's going to feel like you're dying, but there's going to be good things that come out of it. And for me, I remember when I got saved, I had this picture in my mind. I didn't grow up in the church. I grew up Catholic. Um, but I had this picture in my mind as I heard people talk about their salvation experience that I'm like, well, if you just pray that prayer, it's like the magic bullet. Like life's going to be like sunshine and rainbows. Like if you just pray the prayer and have a salvation experience, life is going to be amazing. And so, man, I'm all in. I have this moment with God and God revealed himself to me and it was beautiful. And, and it was sunshines and rainbows for about a week, right? And then temptation's knocking at my door. And it's like, oh man, I thought if I prayed the prayer, I wouldn't have any of these problems. And it's like, no, 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 you're gonna have some problems. In fact, sometimes it gets worse before it gets better, right, you know? And so it's like, okay. And then, and then I heard somebody talk about water baptism. Oh, well, you gotta be water baptized. If you're a real disciple of Jesus, you need to be water baptized. That is the sign of being a disciple. Okay, yes, pastor, okay. Have you been water baptized? Uh, no, I was baptized as a kid. Ah, that doesn't really count. That wasn't baptism, you were a baby. It was a Catholic mass, they sprinkled water on you. Did you sin as a baby? I don't know, I mean, I, no. He's like, no, you, you didn't sin as a baby. You didn't know wrong, right from wrong. And that, that wasn't baptism. That was a little bit more like what we would call a dedication because baptism is you're turning away from sin. You're repenting. As a baby, you're not repenting from anything. You're saying me, my, mine, I want food now, right? You know. So that wasn't baptism. So you need to be water baptized, Jeff. So I'm like, all right, cool. So here I am as an adult. I'm so nervous. My heart is like palpitating in my chest, and and I'm getting into this pool with my pastor, and he was the kindest man, and he and he could see that I was a little bit nervous, you know. And here I am with all these like young kids that are like 13 and 14, just going all in for Jesus, and then this guy, the single dad, getting into this pool, like I felt, you know, out of place, to say the least. And he saw me, and when he, he just grabbed me and gave me a big old hug. And he's like, are you ready for this, Jeff? And I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> and, so, and so I go in the waters of baptism, and I thought, man, if I would just be baptized, and that's going to be the magic bullet, then I'm never going to deal with temptation again. But that's not the reality. And you, you're laughing, you're smiling, because we all know that's not the reality. Just because you've called on the name of the Lord, just because you've been baptized in water, just because you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit or praying in tongues, it doesn't mean that you're never, ever going to face temptation again. Right? We all have that. But how do you overcome temptation? The challenge a lot of people have and why people stay stuck is because they haven't learned to overcome that temptation. So today, I feel like I'm, a, I'm on a mission from the Holy Spirit to give us some things to help us overcome temptation. And Jesus is tempted three different times here by the devil that we just wrote about. And in those three different times, there's kind of like three different categories, if you will, of temptation. And I believe all of us, the, all, the te all the temptations you'll face, that in my, in my studies, I think it pretty much boils down to these things. I'm, I, I might have missed one, but I'm pretty confident that these three areas we're going to take a look at today, we're all going to go, you know what? Yep, I could see that. That kind of falls in that category. And as Jesus people, we need to overcome temptation by recognizing that God is, number one, he is our provision. God is our provision. He is our provision. Last week, we talked about the spirit of mammon, right? That Jesus said, 
if you weren't here, Jesus said, you can't tr serve two masters. You're either gonna serve God or you're gonna serve mammon, which is not money. Money, money, mammon does mean riches, but it, it stands for so much more. Mammon was what the Syrians called the God of riches. So they would pray when they needed finances to the God of riches so that they would be blessed financially. If they needed to get pregnant, they would pray to that God of fertility, right? So, so on and so forth. And Jesus said, there's, 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 there's two masters. There's us, there's me and the kingdom that I'm developing, and then there's the spirit of mammon, and the spirit of mammon wants you to bow down and worship it. How do you overcome the spirit of mammon? You can watch the message from last week. We unpack that. Uh, in, 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 in this area of provision, number one, in this area of provision, lust would also fall under provision. You say, how is that? It's because I'm, I'm not trusting that God will provide and meet my needs, spirit, soul, and body. So I'm, I'm actually, so if I give in to lust, I'm actually not looking at God as my provision. I'm, I'm not waiting for what he deemed to be holy, and that is that sex is, is, in the form, is in the confines of marriage. That's holy, that's his perfect plan. And it, it's not like he wants to withhold anything from us in our singleness, no. He actually wants to give us so much more. But when we lust and we, get, we fall into lust, we're actually saying, God, I don't trust that you're gonna provide for me. I actually don't trust that you're gonna take and in, in give, in give to me what I feel like I'm owed. And so suddenly our mindset becomes that we are God and that I'm gonna live based on how I wanna live. I wanna do what I wanna do. And that's what happened in the, with the fall of Satan and a third of the angels, right? They wanted to do what they wanted to do and he, ultimately he wanted to be worshiped. So provision. So in, in, by the way, when it comes to money, if money is your obsession, like if that becomes your focus, and if we're honest, I'm, I'm, I, I, was, I was that type of guy early on in my life. I, I was focused on money, got to get, got to earn, got to work, got to do, 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 all these different things. And if money is your obsession, then get ready because fear and anxiety is going to be your constant companion. Because if that's what you're constantly going through when you don't have it, you're going to be fearful. You're going to be, how am I doing this? It's, and money is going to feel like it's just sand going through your fingers. Matthew 6.33, Jesus said this. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus, he, he is our provider. He is going to provide for you. Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And so here's how we, as Jesus people, as followers of Christ, here's how we defeat the temptation of provision coming from anything else than God. Really simple. It is written. That's how you overcome temptation. When you, the way that you overcome temptation and lust, lust, no, it is written. When you overcome temptation and fear and anxiety and finances and you're feeling the pressure, no, 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 it is written. It, it, it says it, it is written, right? It is written. Right here in my Bible, I can see that it, it is written. And that phrase, it is written, so I did a quick word search with that phrase in preparation for today's message. And that, that, that phrase, it is written, is quoted so many times throughout scriptures. Jesus and Paul said it more than anybody else. Which is interesting, because when the sen seven sons of Sceva, they go to like drive out that demon, they're gonna cast out that demon, right, from that guy, and, and the demon turns back and says, I know Jesus, I know Paul, who are you? And they're like, ah, you know? And then they, they get whooped, right? It's interesting that the demons knew Jesus and Paul. Why? Well, Jesus and Paul quoted, it is written, 
more than anybody else in the Bible. In Matthew 24, 35, it says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. It is written, the word of God carries power. If you don't carry the word of God in you, you are not gonna have the power to do what God's called you to do. You'll live a form of godliness, a form of Christianity, but you will lack the power of the Holy Spirit. So my question for us is who is our source? You know, for me, I have faith when it comes to finances. Um, the Lord did a work inside of my heart, but in that process, which was years, by the way, it wasn't, there's no such thing as like an overnight success. You know, a good buddy of mine, Mike Rovner, who's spoken here before, he's one of our overseers, runs an incredible company and He's got investments all over the world and just incredible guy. And somebody told him, man, you're like an overnight success. He's like, well, it was the longest night of my life, if that's the truth, you know. It happens over, the time, over time. The reason that I can say with confidence God's going to provide for you, and when I'm feeling the, the pinch and I'm, I'm feeling the pressure financially, and I know that God's going to come through, is because I know the Word of God. Like, I've studied for the last 20 years and filled my life and meditated and memorized Scripture after Scripture, Deuteronomy 8, Deuteronomy 30, Deuteronomy 28, all throughout Proverbs. I, I know that God will provide because I know what the Word says. I can, I can, when I feel the fear, I go back, and we all have a freak-out moment, right? But, but when you take a deep breath, and then you go, okay, what does the Word of God say? Okay, not what does that podcast say, not what does that person say, what does the word of God say? Who is my real source? I can say God will provide till I'm blue in the face. Until you read it, until you get it in your spirit, you won't have the faith to believe for yourself that God will provide. So what's the secret? Get the word of God inside of you. How do you have more faith? You have more faith, Romans 10, 17 tells you. Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans. 1017, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as Jesus people, we need to recognize that God is our provision. Number two, we need to recognize that God is our source of protection, protection. I find it interesting that of all the scriptures that Satan could have tried to quote, right, where we just read, where he says, well, hey, Jesus, it's written, right? You know, and he's encouraging Jesus to throw himself off a cliff and saying the angels are gonna catch you. Like, go for it, if you are the son of God, right? It's written in, in, in the Bible, it's written. And, and, and of all scriptures Satan could have quoted, you know which one it was? Psalms 91. Psalms 91, the whole, like if you've ever had a difficult time where you're wondering, like, Lord, are you gonna protect me? That's Psalms 91. Read Psalms 91, like from top to bottom. It's a beautiful psalm. It's the most quoted when people are going through difficult times. Soldiers have it tattooed on their arms and they have it marked on their helmets that God is gonna protect them, right? And, you know, God is gonna watch over them. And so Satan, the idiot that he is, he quotes this scripture to Jesus and, 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 and he's like, hey, uh, I can be your protection. I, I, can, I can guard you. Now, how did, how did Jesus combat him? He said, well, it's written. And the way that you combat the devil, like, what do you do when the devil starts quoting scripture to you? <laughs> you ever feel that way? Ever been in a conversation with somebody and they're quoting scripture, but you're like, this seems like it's taken way out of context. And you're like, you're listening here, but your mind's like going through all these file cabinets in your brain. You're like looking for that scripture. Where does it say? Where does it say? Uh, hold on a second, right? Well, the way that you beat Satan with the word of God is you know more of the word than he does. <laughs> 
You need to get it in your spirit. It needs to go from head knowledge to heart knowledge where when you're pressed, you, you, you have that coming out of you, right? So how did Jesus know the word? How did Jesus know the word? I would have said early on in my Christian life, I would have said, well, he was the word that became flesh. That's how Jesus knew, knew the word, right? If that was true, then you're leaning into the divinity of him when he is here in a moment and he's, he's showing his, his humanity. So you're saying, well, Jesus just knew the word because he was the word. No, there's, that, scripture doesn't support that. Jesus completely laid down his divinity and he picked up his humanity. Was there a moment where it clicked in his brain that he was the Messiah? Absolutely, right? Hebrews 5.8 says this. It says, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. How does God learn anything, right? Well, it's because God, Jesus, had to empty himself as divinity, take on the humanity. How can an om omniscient God learn anything? It's because Jesus became human. Jesus, think, I mean, he learned to walk. He, he, he learned to talk, right? He learned, he, as a young boy, he would be with his dad, Joseph, and he learned to build things, right, as, in human form. In his divinity, if he wanted to build something, he spoke it. In his humanity, he's got to get down there and get dirty and probably had a few cuts and bruises of tools and, he, and his hammer missed it and he hit his thumb instead of the tack or whatever, you know what I mean? Like he, he emptied himself of his divinity and took on humanity and he learned. Jesus studied the scriptures. He learned the same way that you and I learned. He went to school. He, he memorized the Word of God. He would, read, he would read it. He would meditate on the Word. He would think about it. He would lean in. He would ask questions. And, and, and you know, when, when it comes to reading the Word of God, it's a spiritual discipline. Like, like you know, sometimes people, they're slow of, uh, in terms of like really adopting the discipline of reading the Word daily because they picked it up one day and it didn't speak to them. And so they're like, well, I, I kind of read the Bible, but it's confusing or I read it and then like 20 minutes later I don't even remember what I read and I'm just telling you you're gonna have times like that my wife and I have been married for 20 years now there's sometimes we have a conversation I walk out of the room and we come back together and I don't even remember what she just told me to go do <laughs> you know? <laughs> you're gonna have you're gonna have moments like I don't remember what I ate for breakfast last Tuesday morning but it nourished my body right you won't remember everything that you read, but it's gonna nourish your soul, and the more you read it, the more you get a word of God in you, and the more you meditate on it, you're gonna have the strength and the power to say, when that trial comes, you know what, it is written. This is what my God says. No, I'm gonna throw off this thought, this crazy thought that's going through my mind right now, because it is written. Luke 180, I'm gonna, Luke 180, it sounded like do a 180. Luke 1, verse 80 said this, this is actually, now this is talking about John, but I just wanna show you the verb tense is the same here. So it says, this is about John, uh, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. So it says, the child grew and became strong in spirit, right? So that's talking about John, okay? The child grew, okay? Now take a look at this, Luke 2.40, okay? And it's, it's the same verb tense. The child grew, but it's a, it's a big C, because it's JC, right? So, and the child, Jesus, grew, and became strong in spirit. So John grew and became strong in spirit. Well then Jesus, his young cousin, Jesus also grew and became strong in spirit. How would God grow and become stronger in spirit? That doesn't make sense except the fact that he left divinity, took on humanity, okay? Luke uh, 2.46 says this. Now so it was that after three days they found him, Jesus in the temple, Jesus is 12 years old at this time, and he's sitting in the midst of the teachers 
Look at what he's doing here. He's both listening to them and he's asking them questions. I love that picture. I could just see Jesus sitting down and listening with all of them. He's listening to what they're saying and then he's asking questions. And it goes on to say that they were just, in, in, in modern day vernacular, they were blown away by this kid that was so in tune with the scriptures and he had such a, just this just voracious desire that he just wanted to learn and he wanted to grow. And so Jesus is learning and what is he doing? He's listening and asking questions. Okay, if Jesus, learned by listening and asking questions, how much more do we need to listen and ask questions? And I wanna encourage you, eat the Bible, read the Word of God, listen to sermons, get the Word of God in you, look and read Bible commentaries, dive deep, uh, get a strong concordance if you have to. It's, it's literally gonna be a treasure hunt for some of you, especially those of you that are called, you have a gifting to be a teacher. It's gonna be like a treasure hunt. You're gonna read the Word of God, and it's gonna be like the Holy Spirit just put an X on the page and is like, dig. And you're just gonna get in there and you're gonna be like looking at this scripture and you're gonna go, this scripture ties into this and that. I would do this thing early on in, in my Christian walk. Um, somebody called it Bible chaining. I don't know if you've ever heard it. It's kind of an old school type of deal of marking your Bible. But I would read a scripture like I just read, you know, like, you know, whatever, um, you know, Matthew 6.33, right? Where it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, and I would read something like that and I'd be like, okay, and all these things would be added unto me. And then, it, oh, it reminds me of that scripture in Deuteronomy that says, remember the Lord your God for it is him that give you the power to get. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, at the bottom of the page of Matthew 6.33, I'm gonna do a little line and it's gonna say, turn to Deuteronomy 30 verse 16 or whatever, you know. And then I go, and then when I get to that page, and then that would remind me and help me as I kind of chain together different thoughts for going back and reading the word of God. All to say, here's my point, my point is this. If you're going to live victorious life, you gotta get to the point where you're like, it is written. It is written. If you only hear the word of God when you come on Sunday mornings, um, in the days ahead, I don't know it's gonna be enough to last. I hope it is. I, I would love to think that, but I think that'd be prideful of any pastor or preacher to say that what you get on Sunday is gonna be so filling that it's gonna take care of you all, all, all week long. And I love what Josh said. He, you know, he's here and he, he serves. Well, he serves. He can sit in the back or um, like, my good buddy Peter can be serving in kids ministry today, and these guys don't feel like they're missing out from service because adults know how to feed ourselves, right? My kids are at an age now where I, if they're hungry and I, I'm not gonna serve them and I'm not in the mood to go fix them, I can just say, go fix yourself something. You, got, you know how to cook, right? If you wanna eat and you wanna go deeper in certain things than we do on a Sunday morning, the good news is you're adults, and adults learn at some point, we learn to feed ourselves, amen? All right, so Satan tempts Jesus Jesus says it's written, reinforcing that God alone is his protection, and Jesus was able to do it because he knew scriptures like Psalms 127, verse one. Psalms 127, verse one says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who built it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stay awake. How could Jesus have confidence that God was gonna watch over him? Because he knows that God is the one who guards, right? Isaiah 52, verse 12, for you shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight, for the Lord 
will go before you and the God of Israel will be your rear guard, right? How, do you, how can you walk in confidence knowing that you're protected? Because it says in Isaiah 52, the Lord's going before me and he is behind me, right? That's not just good lyrics to a song. That is the word of God that you can apply to your life, right? If you're home alone and you feel like fear attack you, like is there somebody in the house? It's like, okay, it's like, well, the Lord has gone before us. He's behind us. He's going to be my rear guard. I'm going to pray. Lord, I pray protection over my home right now, right? And as I'm praying protection, now it's wise to go ahead and just, you know, just pump that shotgun. A little, a little pump of the shotgun seems to scare off anyone, right? They, oh, dude, oh, I didn't know I was in this house, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I, I won't go where I was going to go. Okay, sorry, let me come back here. It's about to get... Hey, if you come to my house, I don't know that you're there just for the TV, bro. <laughs> so, <laughs> nothing in my house is worth your life. I'll just tell that. <laughs> Philippians 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He's going to guard you. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and what? Guard you from the evil one. He's going to guard you. So you, when you face fears, when you face situations, all to say, go to the scriptures, it is written. God is our protector, right? He watches over us. Now this doesn't mean that we're never gonna have challenges. Challenges come. It just means you're gonna have greater perspective when those challenges come, right? Jesus doesn't guarantee that we're gonna have security from life's storms. No, 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 he's just, he's gonna be perfect security within any storm that comes our way. So as Jesus people, we recognize uh, that we're going to overcome temptation and recognize God as our source for number one, provision, number two, protection, and number three, that God is our source of power. He is our source of power. Uh, one of the most humorous uh, scriptures in the Bible, it's, 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 it's a sad, horrific moment, uh, but it's humorous at the same time, and you'll see what I mean. John 19, verse 10. So this is where Jesus is brought before Pilate. And Pilate, in his cockiness, says to him, he says, Jesus, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and that I got the power to release you? Like, do you know who I am? <laughs> and Jesus, Jesus responds. He said, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. <laughs> so shut your mouth. <laughs> like, it's not in the scriptures, but I think it's somewhere in the Hebrew there, right? You know? Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father doing. I'm not gonna say anything unless I hear the Father saying. John 5, 19, it said, Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. That's why it's so important to get alone in your prayer time and spend time in just meditating on the Word. Stop, pause, think about God. Quiet your mind, close your eyes. Sometimes you see better when you close your eyes and you turn off the things of this world and you just tune into the Spirit. So he says, I can only do what, what I see the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. This is Jesus talking. And it's spoken of Christ in, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Then Jesus went around doing good, healing all who were under the power of the devil. Why? How? Because God was with him. Then in Matthew 10, this is the first scripture that God ever actually spoke to me as a young believer. I was like, Lord, 
I just want to hear your voice. I want to, I want to know your word. And, and, you know, I grew up, but, I mean, we opened the Bible like never. Like, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, and so we had it, and it was kind of like to keep the boogeyman away somewhere on a shelf, right? And, uh, or they gave it to me at my first communion or something like that. And so I never really actually read the Bible. And, and so when I'm, I'm praying, I'm like, Lord, will you speak to me? He leads me to Matthew 10. So I go, I'm like, Matthew 10, I don't even know. Where, is there 10 chapters in the book of Matthew, you know? So I go to Matthew 10, and I look at it. It's all about Jesus sending out his disciples to do all these things. And it says this. It says in Matthew 10, 18, he tells them, he said, I want you to go and heal the sick. I want you to cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you receive, freely give. Now pause, we literally just read, what did Jesus say? I don't say anything unless the Father tells me. I don't do anything unless the Father tells me to do it. So what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, um, my Father is healing you. Um, my Father is setting you free right now. Like you, you, your freedom, you're free because of what my Father is saying, what he's telling me to do. Like you're, you're healed because my father said so. It's done. And sometimes if, you, if, if we're in a situation where you don't know the word of God and you don't understand that he is a source of all power, you forget the power that you have. I, like there's another scripture, it's, it's not gonna be uh, put up on the screens, but there was another scripture where um, these, these people are kind of combating and there's some not so good stuff that's being said and people are threatening Jesus and what the, what's happening with, the, with the, this young budding uh, group of followers and everything like that. And the disciples, they'd seen so much power from Jesus, they go over to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, you want me to call down fire? <laughs> like, you want me to call down fire on those guys? Like, I'll do it. Like, I will do it. Like, if you want me to call down fire, should we go call down fire on them? Like, they were so convinced that they could call down fire. <laughs> Jesus is like, chill out, slow your roll, <laughs> you know, put down your weapons, <laughs> you know, it's fine, you know. But they, they were convinced of that. So Jesus saying, my father says be healed. My father says be free. My father says you're provided for. My father says, so Jesus is going to understand. So we have to understand from, he's going around trying to help us understand that God is our provider. God is our protection. God is the source of all power. Look. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, it is written, has to be, that, that, that has to be off of your mouth. That has to be your confession. At some point, you're gonna have to read the word of God. Like, I mean, you just, as a Christian, you just gotta get over it. It's like, it's, if you're gonna call yourself a Christian, at some point, you're just gonna go, Okay, uncle, I'm gonna start reading the Word of God, right? You know, I mean, like, and there's so many great resources that are able to. You can go on the YouVersion Bible app. You can download the Bible in a year. Uh, there's so many great resources. You could do a five-day, just read through the entire book of Acts in five days and just see what that does in your spirit. One of my favorite things to do is sit down and read an, an entire uh, book of the Bible. Just sit down and read Philippians from start to finish and read it aloud. When you do, like see, you'll notice a change in your spirit, like I'm telling you. Get the word of God in you. Here's the secret to walking in God's provision, his protection and power. Here's the secret, you wanna know the secret? Here it is. Stand in awe more than you stand in fear. Stand in awe of his word, of his power. Stand in awe of a move of his spirit. Stand in awe of the things of God, ask questions, be awestruck, be fascinated, do a deep dive. When you stand in awe more than you stand in fear, you're, you're going to receive those provisions. You're gonna receive that protection. You're gonna understand and receive that power.
And uh, for us here at the church, from a, just a real practical thing that we do in walking this out, is we have a weekly uh, prayer call. Um, it's, a, it's a prayer watch here in Needham Chapel every Wednesday night from 6 to 7 p.m. Every single week we do prayer here. And we have, it's one of our authentic attributes is we are a church that prays. We are a praying church. We don't just want to pray a quick prayer like you do sometimes before dinner and then let's eat. No, no, no. We pray all throughout the week. And then once a week we come together and we pray together as a family. And we do that every Wednesday night from 6 to 7 p.m. And uh, our attribute, we have this actually written down on our culture card, which if you don't have one of our culture cards, they're out at the Connect table. You can grab one after service. It's awesome. Just shares you a little bit more of the DNA of Authentic. But uh, for us, we say prayer is the catalyst for everything. We really believe that, that everything begins in prayer. It says, we believe prayer is the catalyst for everything. We are a house of prayer committed to seeking his face, heart, and will. Through prayer, we discover that nothing is beyond his reach, declaring the things on earth as they are in heaven with passionate fervency and humble devotion. And I'm gonna have uh, Hannah and Juliana join me up front if they could as we close with this story. Uh, there's a, a pastor uh, in, in our lives in, um, uh, out in Texas. Uh, they had a church and they were growing and expanding, and they were trying to figure out what they were going to do with all these people, and, and, and they felt like the Lord told them that they were going to be buying land, that there was going to be a land buy that they were going to have, and, and when I say they felt like the Lord told them that, it was because they felt it in prayer, like, hey, it's time to buy, and then they got in the scriptures, and all the elders came back, and they had scripture after scripture about different things. Well, a lot of the scriptures ended up matching. They all had the same scripture. Like, I felt like God told me this in my quiet time, and they're like, well, <laughs> that's funny. God led me to the same scripture in my quiet time. Me too, me too, me too, all around the room. And so they, they find this piece of land, and it's owned by, uh, it's owned by an oil company. And uh, the oil company has some subsidiaries as you kind of break up, and you, uh, from a risk mitigation standpoint, it's smart not to have all of your eggs in one basket. And they had the different funds and trusts and different things like that set up. And so there was this one trust fr from the company that was owning that owned uh, this big plot of land where they wanted to buy. And there was nothing there, and it was just kind of out in the middle of nowhere at this point. And so they, they go to buy the land, and everything's done, and, and right before they're getting their papers back, um, the seller agent says, hey, by the way, um, because uh, the parent organization is, a, is an oil company, they're, they're not, gonna, not gonna sell you the mineral rights. And they're like, ooh, okay. And that's a big thing in Texas. And they're like, okay. Mineral rights, okay, so any oil, anything that they find on the land is theirs. Huh. They go, okay, we need to pray about this before we proceed then, because we felt like the Lord was telling us the land, like it was going to be our land, meaning you can't have rights to it. It's the Lord's now. So they go away, and they pray and fast, and they get into the Word, and, and the pastor got a scripture. And he got this scripture, and the Word of God said it was written, gave him a scripture. Um, it was, I think it was out of Deuteronomy 11, but um, gave them a scripture that the Lord was going to provide for them with, uh, with grain, uh, with land, and also with oil. Now, that scripture is pertaining to olive oil, but that might as well have just been a flashing sign from God saying, the oil that is in there is actually yours. So don't agree to this unless they agree to it. And so the, the, here they are, they're ready to purchase and they're ready to sell and it's an oil company. Why are they gonna give up their rights to potential oil? Like, and they've already drilled the land. They didn't find anything, but they wouldn't let go of it. So they go back to them. The church says, hey, we're gonna buy it, but only if you give us the full rights to it. 
And they're like, that's not going to happen. I can ask, but I'm just telling you, they're going to say no. Well, they came back and they said yes. So here they are signing the papers and the pastor is sitting at the table with them as they're finalizing this deal. And the guy says, you know, the owner of this land is Hunt Oil. And he goes, I do. They're a big oil, oil company. And he goes, I do. And he goes, how did you ever, they never sell land to anybody, let alone a church, without getting the oil rights. Like, what's a church going to do with the oil, you know? And they said, well, I'll tell you how they sold it. God, now let me tell you why. We prayed and we fasted and we went to the Word of God, and this is what the, this is the Word of God for us. And they stood on that Word. They had the confidence to push back and say, we're not buying that land unless it's all ours. It's a great plot of land. Somebody else would swoop in and grab it. But they said, we're not going to do it unless it's all ours and the people. The reason they had the confidence to say no and push back and say, we'll only do this if, is because it is written. Why don't we all stand together today? I just want to close out in prayer. And maybe you're here today and you haven't given everything to God. You're, you're still holding on to some stuff. There's a, there's a quote that I read, and I think it's on the screen there. It's, when you put everything in God's hands, soon you begin to see God's hands in everything. When you put everything into God's hands, soon you begin to see God's hands in everything. And I just want to ask us today, do you need to make a fresh commitment to the things of God? Do you need to make a fresh commitment to reading His Word? You know, maybe summertime, staying up too late, getting up too early, whatever it was, where you used to have a strong Bible reading time, strong time encountering God. And it's not, look, it's not about checking a box and moving on with your day. You seek first the kingdom of God isn't like we seek first the kingdom of God and then I go to work. It's not seek first the kingdom of God and then I'm a dad. Or seek first the, no. For the Jewish person, the Jewish faith, everything, it, it was all it was all part of life. I'm seeking God and I'm glorifying Him. What I do for work is worship. How I live in my life is worship. My marriage is a form of worship. Like everything was worship to God and honor. But if you're here today and you're just saying, you know what? I need to make a fresh commitment to God. I just want to pray for you. We're going to have a moment here. There's going to be prayer team that's going to make themselves available. We're going to close out with this last song. And I just want to encourage you, if you need prayer and you need to make a fresh commitment, like this is a line in the sand moment for you this morning. If that's you, I just want to encourage you to come up front. We would be so blessed to, to pray with you and, and join hands with you. There is power when you come together in prayer. Jesus said, when two or more are gathered in my name, I'm in their midst. Like power, it happens when we come into agreement with each other. So I just want to encourage you at this time, just go ahead and make your way up to the front. We're going to have one last song. Nobody leave yet. We're just going to have a time of prayer and worship. And if you need prayer for anything, I'd be honored to pray with you. We would be honored to be in agreement with you and pray with you this morning. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.